Today's episode of the Open Pantry Podcast is brought to you by me, Sean from Open Pantry Consulting. Make sure if you're opening a restaurant or starting to scale your restaurant that you come and check out what I'm doing at openpantryconsulting.com. Everything around operations analysis, recruitment, or data analytics. Everything to get your restaurant, cafe, or bakery on the better side of this crisis. Let's keep going with the show. episode of the Open Pantry podcast, I talk with Pete Dillon, one of the best food photographers in Australia. We have a chat about how he got started in the industry, some of the newest things coming into the industry like animated GIFs and what you need to look for when you're picking someone to work with creatively for your venue. You are going to get so much from this episode. It's just a fantastic chat. So let's get into the show. No matter what we go through. Welcome to the Open Pantry Podcast for yet another episode. It's fantastic to have you listening along. So thanks for tuning in. Pete Dillon is a Victorian-based photographer who specializes in food, editorial, and commercial photography. His clients have included the Mulberry Group, Treasury Wines, Sofitel Hotels, and Moet and Chandon, and is arguably one of the best food photographers in the country. This time in Melbourne has been a very difficult time for the whole hospitality industry, but especially those who sit behind the scenes of our industry, light photographers and other suppliers. But they are so integral to making the industry uh, a better one moving forward. So it's fantastic to have Pete on the show. Hey, Pete, how are you? Good afternoon, mate. It is lovely to see you. <laughs> it's lovely to see you too. So thanks so much for your time. I know this week... Uh, as things have just kicked back into gear, as we were just talking about before the podcast, uh, you'd be busy as. So it's fantastic to have you on. Um, do you want to talk about how you started out in your career? You're the you're the first photographer I've had on the podcast, so I feel I feel pretty bad actually. So um, it, it's good to good to know how you actually started out. You may as well start with the best, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, um, absolutely. I, I promise you I'm really <laughs> not that uh not that forward normally anyway um I got started in photography um probably as a teenager like shooting part-time mm-hmm. like, I think like a lot of people do um studied photography loved it um never really took it seriously like took it professionally mm-hmm. um did a lot of work in retail I actually don't come from a hospitality background um, yeah right so for me I sort of um got involved with um, Apple mm-hmm. and helped them sort of open their retail chains in Australia, um, yeah, right. running around opening new stores, all that kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my now wife and I are um, fully reformed Queenslanders and we moved to Victoria <laughs> almost eight years ago now. Yeah. And, um, you know, working just really standard sort of Monday to Friday, wake up, go to work, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And... It had just been in the back of my mind for so long, listening to so many, you know, productivity podcasts and self-help things. And it's like, oh, go out and do it. Yeah. And, you know, you're sitting there listening going, yeah, yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. Can. Never yes. actually doing anything about it, you know? Yes. Um, and then just falling further and further into just monotony. And mm. like, God, I can't believe, like, there's got to be more to life than this. Mm. And one morning, you know, you wake up, I was about three months off turning 30 and I turned to my then girlfriend now wife and just said, Hey, I've got to, I've just got to try this. Hey, like, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I can make a go of this, but I've got to give it a bash because I, I don't want to get to 60 and go, Oh man, I wonder what would have happened yeah. if I'd tried. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. um, so I quit my very safe, well-paying job mm-hmm. and uh, just took a punt, I suppose. Um, well, wow. hired some, some working space. Um, mm-hmm. so I gave my name out, um, started doing editing and retouching for other photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time I was actually, I was going to be an architectural photographer, you know, go to these beautiful spaces and shoot all these amazing, you know, architecturally designed, gorgeous interior award-winning spaces. Yeah. And, um, turns out I hated it. That sucked. <laughs> Why um, is that? Cause it was just 
things don't move or (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty good uh i remember a shooter a long time ago said buildings are great they're always Mm. smiling and it's like yeah no true story but the you know as with all things you think of what it is and it's all glamour and oh yeah Yeah. expensive Mm -hmm. equipment and Mm -hmm. rah rah but what it actually is is you know standing at 6 a.m on a sunday knee deep in mud at a construction site taking photos of an unfinished apartment building like right that's, yeah like that's reality yeah right um occasionally you get some pretty shoots but mm-hmm. and the other thing is i don't speak architect you know they're mm-hmm. a whole different breed mm-hmm. um architects interior designers operate on a level i don't really get yeah um but weirdly like i i can i can speak chef yeah and i can speak uh you know front of house and sommelier like i get that mm-hmm. um and it was actually it was sort of a by chance uh, a photographer i was working for said hey you know you don't have you, you're living in melbourne you don't have anything hospitality related in your folio that's really weird yeah um, have you heard of this this broadsheet mob go and have a chat to them mm-hmm. see if they want to get some shoots happening and mm-hmm. that was sort of the the start i suppose sure um learning really quick because i went in with no understanding of the industry so right some of my you know some of my first shoots i'm, I'm there taking portraits of like scott pickett and yeah and shuri and um, andrew mcconnell and people like these are some big names i'm like yeah. oh uh, great i guess <laughs> you know like totally ignorant to who these people were right um which you know this is my fifth year shooting food and beverage mm-hmm. and, and hospo full time. And now I sort of been like, God, I'm glad I didn't screw that up early on, you know, um, could have been a quick finishing. Yeah. 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 hundred yeah, <laughs> percent. Um, and so a couple of years down the track after shooting and just getting more and more work for restaurants and mm-hmm. for food shoots and for editorial lifestyle work and things like that. Um, I remember very distinctly, I was doing a shoot at a restaurant in Richmond. I had a call from Broadsheet and they, uh, they, they were saying, oh man, remember when you started with us and you thought you were, you're such hot shit with like interiors <laughs> and it turns out you're not, but you're great at food and portraits. And at that time I hadn't quite made my mind up, but that's what right. I was going to do. And yes. I was like, okay all right i'll that's take sort that of cemented. sure mm-hmm. yeah, yep. yeah yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent. so that's sort of uh where i got started and that's you know takes us to now i guess yeah what so obviously when you're at apple you obviously would have been you know taking a lot of photographs and that kind of stuff like what what drove you into that was that you know uh look uh, uh, to, to work at apple no no to start doing Obviously, you were taking photos before you decided that you uh, would yeah. quit Apple and then go be a photographer. Like, like it, it, what it drove always, that passion? You know, it always sort of been something that um, my uh, my late father was a bit of a keen sort of like amateur photographer, right? And from a really early age, like I had no idea at the time what was happening, but we'd go out driving around the country, and I'd have his nikon film camera in my hand mm-hmm. and he, he'd be like tell me what the numbers say and i'd be like uh 256 100 and he goes yep press the button and now looking back i was like oh he was teaching me like how to take photos basically wow. but at the time not a clue yeah um but i'd always knew that i enjoyed um visual creativity for mm-hmm. a while i painted for a while i tried sculpture but photography is like where it clicked Right. Oh, God, that's a terrible pun. Um, but it's sort of, it was the ability to document as much as it was to create. Um, I left school and I did a stint in journalism. Mm-hmm. Um, my All of my feedback was, this is great. You will make an amazing opinion writer, but this is not journalism. It's like stop right. having too much of an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got from that a little element of, photography as an actual like to study and then i went and studied that full time mm-hmm. um and that really sort of stoked the fire and i was like oh this is worth pursuing mm-hmm. um but a lot of the time like i never took the leap until uh you know seven odd years ago because i think for me it was a big like fear of 
what if I, what if I screwed up? What if I don't, yeah. you know, what if it doesn't happen properly for me? So I just held back and held back until the, you get to that tipping point where it's like, is your day job worth crushing your mm-hmm. opportunities? And it's like, you just have to, it comes to the point where you go, you know what, screw this. I have to take this chance. Like, yeah. You just have to. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of very unhappy people in very safe jobs Yeah. Um, that maybe this year has sort of potentially changed their, their minds about a few things, hopefully. Yeah. I think it's everyone giving everyone a time to sort of sit back and reflect, you know, if, oh, definitely. if they wanted to, or if they didn't want to, they like, definitely had to. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Mm. We, you can get pushed out of the nest by choice or by force I mean, yeah. this year. And it's been shaking the tree a bit. So. <laughs> so let's talk about like, why, why do you enjoy, you know, food and beverage photography so much? Like what, what do you get out of it that maybe, you know, um, keeps you excited and keeps you ingrained in, in the hospitality landscape? Uh, yeah, I think for me, um, it, it does sound cliche when I say this, but like no shoot is ever the same. Mm. Um, it is a, a, an ecocosm and a, a world of its own yep. and it's so varied. Um, yeah. You know, at, at one end you're working in traditional, in, in a traditional French restaurant, literally everyone is speaking French. Um, the the waiter's like watching with laser eye focus your shoes to make sure they're not marking the floor. Yes. And on mm-hmm. the other end, you know, you're, uh, I had a shoot in Footscray and it's for a, um, a like a Chinese noodle bar where the guy's hand throwing the noodles himself. Mm. Also, he is the waiter and he is the front of house. So he's wow. running, hand throwing noodles, throwing them into a wok, you know, um, smoking chicken, then racing back out and pouring a drink for his guests. And it's just fascinating. And I think what I love is that um, chefs, uh, and without sounding like I'm pandering to them, <laughs> Chefs, you know, that are really throwing themselves into this world, like they're creating art. Yeah. You just happen to be able to eat it, I guess. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, mm. And I find that fascinating. Mm. Um, I like, I think without the knowledge that people in the industry have of how difficult something is to do well, mm. but when when you have that and that sort of has been a, a many, many year process for me and I've barely scratch the surface but when you see it done well and the effort to presentation and to plating and the entire experience for a guest Mm -hmm. it's genuinely exciting Mm -hmm. um and i feel like photography uh has a really unique and exceptional role to play in that yep um especially nowadays that i don't know anyone who doesn't check out a venue's social before they book yes. or before they dine. Mm-hmm. Like it just doesn't happen. Mm. Um, or someone will say, Hey, have you heard of XYZ restaurant? Oh no. Uh, and of course the next step is check them out on Instagram. Yeah. There's this amazing dish and you'll watch them scroll. Like that's just the, that's the natural conversation now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I'm really fortunate because, um, you know, restaurants look to uh, image creators to, enable that conversation to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. There's this massive market out there that um, their very, very first interaction with you as a venue mm-hmm. is images and images of what you make. So yes. it's, it's pretty important to get it right. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty much, yeah, restaurants have almost turned into art galleries in a way. Like, oh, big time. It's funny, I'm old enough to know what it was like before before social media sort of came into hospitality and, and you would go to a venue and you would hear about a dish. Right. But you wouldn't know what it looked like. But now but now <laughs> yeah, yeah. but now there's um there's um I mean there's always elements of surprise, right? But um there's there's smaller elements of surprise. So it's it's interesting how photography has changed that, I think. Definitely for a positive. A hundred percent. I think um it's been fascinating to sort of watch um, as I've gone into document new venues. Mm-hmm. Often the, the conversations that you'll overhear were, oh, yeah, you know, we chose the lighting and the temperature color and the surfaces because it's more Instagrammable. Like people yeah. are not dumb. Yes. Entire fit outs are being done 
so that the food looks good to mm. then capture future clients. Yeah. Now, there's a really good argument that it's gone too far in mm. a lot of instances mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And I actually, uh, I'm not sure if you ever got to dine at Rambler before it closed. I didn't actually, um, no. But I know, obviously, but, another restaurant. Yep. But yeah, one of my favorite things was it was really poorly lit. And yeah. Everything was black. It was almost <laughs> like a middle finger to anyone taking photos of their food. Yeah. Like I, 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 that really tickled me. I thought it was great. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's funny. People often sort of say, oh, you know, phones are so good now. And, mm. You know, why, why would you need, you know, blah, blah, blah. And mm. everyone's taking photos. And from my, my, my perspective, it's like, yeah, it's great. Like, I've had an industry and a career pop out of the proliferation of images and how important great images are. Yes. Um, and I think, uh, you know, a lot of people sort of look at, you know, phones and things and I'm like, look, if, if you're worried as a photographer that you're going to be put out of a job because phones are getting better, mm. I mean, I've got some some, you know, I've got some things to tell you and it ain't good because if that's your concern, you are in trouble, son. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Um, when you've secured a client and mm. before you've, you know, gone into that venue before, you know, for the first time or whatnot, and you've, you know, you're trying to understand mm. how to get the best shots. Like, what do you, what do you do as a photographer to, uh, to, understand that venue and and understand how you're going to get the best shots pete um it's a a really good question it's probably one of the most important things when you are having that conversation with a future photographer Mm. um you need to hire someone who doesn't just take photos they are there to help you convert your idea into a visual story Mm. um you know venues are put together with either an idea, a theme, a feeling, an experience behind them. Mm. And the photographer that you choose needs to be able to sit down with you and work out how that story is going to come together. Um, You know, flat lays on painted surfaces doesn't work for 99% of venues. Um, Restaurants need to incorporate the experience into those images. Mm. Um, I think the truly successful the venues that capture people's imaginations and have them coming back and talking to their friends. It's not, I look, I love chefs. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's not just the food and mm. they hate hearing that, but it's true. Mm. It is the experience. experience yeah. um, and it's about going with friends um, and, you know, without sounding wanky, it is creating memories and mm-hmm. feeling good. Mm-hmm. So photography is sort of about great you have a list, a, a menu that we need to shoot. How are we going to also place the food in its environment? How does it tell the story of the chef? What? How does it tell the story of the fact that you are sourcing your your ingredients, your produce, your meats, where it's coming from? Why are you doing that? Mm. You know, the, the spice rubs and things that you use, why does that tell the story that this is a Portuguese restaurant, that mm. this is Mexican, you know? Um, so I think... It's, it's storytelling, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's the, the same reason why a restaurant review, a great restaurant review, isn't just food tasted like this, interior was nice. It yes. is about the origin story. It mm. is about you know, how it feels, what were the smells, what were the conversations that were had, because that's what you really care about. Mm. You know, the, the food, I think when we're talking about the level of restaurants that we're at, like, it's just an assumption that they got that part right. Yeah. Um, so it's about encompassing the entire hospitality experience, the entire restaurant experience. Mm-hmm. So great photography will capture your guests' imagination. And, you know, as people are endlessly scrolling, because mm. that's what they're doing, there has to be something that just reaches out and grabs your eyeball and goes, no, nah, you have to have another look at this. Yeah. Um, so when I'm working with clients that can uh, sort of not just, I suppose, be a discussion, but it's funny about, about what works with that business, you yeah. know, um, what social media strategies or what um, editorial things have worked in the past and have done really well. Mm-hmm. Um, like one of the examples, one of my clients, um, the 
uh, Piccolina group in Melbourne, mm-hmm. um, working with Gelato and things like that. We experimented with creating animated GIFs. Mm. And now that's just like a cornerstone of that brand. Mm-hmm. Um, every marketing push is accompanied by one of those because it has fantastic mm-hmm. um, retention um, and fantastic sharing on their platforms. So we now create that. And that was literally just how do we have a bit more life, a bit more interest? Um, and that's those, they're the the conversations that great photographers are having mm. with their venues. Mm-hmm. Um, it shouldn't be one and done. It should be an ongoing and evolving sort of story. Yeah, for sure. How did, how did you come up with that particular idea, Pete? Was that, was that you... Was that something the client had brought to your attention and, and asked what your thought was? Is that you doing a lot of research or understanding? Like how did you come up with that kind of concept for the brand? So for that one, it was, you know, we originally approached, um, we, we, we sort of shoot campaigns and um, Sandra, the owner, was like, you know, but one of our differentiating factors is that all of this is made on site literally through that kitchen door. And I Mm -hmm. want to show people that like, Mm -hmm. I want them to know that this isn't being made at a commercial facility, Like we have pastry chefs, we have actual chefs on hand that are making this material. I was like, well, let's bloody shoot that. Mm. And then it was like, wow, there's so much motion in what they're doing. You know, there were, literally lashing chocolate over things and throwing ingredients into big churners and mixes. I was like, let's figure out how we can actually show this mm-hmm. as a process rather than just a series of images. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I get a lot of people asking like, Oh, you know, you should do video, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The, the truth is I think on social video, video has a place. Yes. It's probably not on a, two inch square on a phone. Yeah. Like that's not a great place for it. Mm. Um, for websites, for long form content, talking heads, like that makes a lot more sense. Mm. But on your phone, you've got precious seconds to get mm. people's attention. Mm-hmm. And a, a quick five, six second animated GIF often works really well. And we can make that with the equipment that we have. It doesn't require um, a larger set. We don't require hotter, larger lights. So we can go you know, into restaurants, into venues and create these little animated pieces. And then the advantage is each of those frames can also be used as a standalone image mm. for whatever you need. Mm. So that was, um, yeah, that was an ongoing, I guess, evolution, but now it's being picked up more and more. And you'll, I think you start to see more and more animation happening as well. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you think like we've talked to a lot of, we've talked a bit about storytelling, like mm. do you think as part of your storytelling, if, if, you know, obviously you're, you're thinking that video, you know, doesn't belong on, or say doesn't belong, but it's not going to belong on a phone. Um, mm. But storytelling is obviously a massive part as the industry becomes reopens again and, 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 mm. and diners are probably more particular about where they spend their money and, and you mm-hmm. know, thinking about where they want their experience to be. Video is an important part of that. Mm. If that sort of sits on a website or that sits in a YouTube or whatever, have you have you thought about, how you could create videos for your clients as well and doing that sort of long form piece, which can be quite, um, quite exciting. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a funny thing. It's like we as creators could build and, and sort of shape that narrative. The problem is how do we get the potential customer to spend the time watching it? Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, you can invest tens of thousands into video production for something, but it doesn't matter how much time and attention you throw into that. At the end of the day, the person on the receiving end has to be receptive to that. So yeah. I think you need to have an established um, YouTube presence because mm. uh, essentially all other video platforms may as well not exist. Yeah, right exactly. Now. Yep. Um, and I think there needs to, there needs to be a reason for you to pursue that content. Mm. Um I, I keep coming back to Instagram, like the reels system is starting yep. to come out and there might yeah. be something there. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, uh, you know, Instagram stories seems to be a better approach to that. Mm. But then that also lends itself to a much more lo-fi experience. Yeah, know? exactly. 
yeah. s- stories. Um, a number of my clients who have been doing collaborations and things like that during mm-hmm. lockdown, um, they're doing cooking classes and things like that. And mm-hmm. it is Instagram stories and it is someone's actual phone in their kitchen watching them do it. And I think that's become the um, understood and appreciated and accepted medium. Yep. If you start to bring in like production level video to that, people are like, meh. It's just not there. There's not that connection yet. Yeah. Um, in a year, two years, maybe a totally different story. But um, we have developed a very short attention span. Mm. Um, so I think I would I would caution venues and restaurateurs about investing large sums of money in video production unless you've got a really great execution strategy mm. to make the most of that of that spend. Yes. Um, whereas you know, photography certainly isn't evergreen, but it's definitely more flexible. Mm. Um, you know, I can come on site and do a shoot and there's definitely the social angle. That's where a vast majority of imagery ends up, but it's also press releases and then appearing in actual press or might be street press or, you know, different industry level uh, marketing. So, um and obviously, I'm biased. Of course, I'm going to say that. Right? <laughs> I don't want you hiring videographers. Goddamn, <laughs> but, photography. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yes. But it's um, it's just a, a a practical sort of reality. Um, I think one of the big things that sort of is uh, evolving and sort of really this year has solidified it is the move away from um, influencer marketing. Yeah, big time, um, eh? Uh, it, it's just. I think, you know, we, we talked about this because my main competition wasn't other photographers. It was, you know, someone with 50,000, 100,000 followers yes. um, who is spruiking um, weight loss yep. teas mm-hmm. and supplements and then charging a venue $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 to dine and then leave for a post. Yeah. And I think the, the big thing is, you know, um, that time is probably come and gone now. Like yeah, I it agree. took years, mm. but we've, we've seen um, financial controllers and things in restaurant groups just go, where's my ROI on this? Yeah. This is garbage. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's so untraceable, which is the thing. Like yeah. you have no control over it. You are putting your faith into someone and it's just a set of digits with a follower number and it's like uh, that might've worked in 2018, but post COVID 2020, like that is a huge risk to take to throw cash at. Totally. Um, yep. And I think, you know, for venues and for restaurant groups that are trying to reduce overheads and bring things in house, um, you know, moving away from that and saying, we can hire someone to do social media management part-time. We just need a bank of content that we can then fire out whenever we need it. We need press ready images so that when we launch a new campaign, we can just hit everyone with high quality content that's Mm. reflective of what we do. It's interesting that is, uh, you know, shows the value of our brand. Um, That's a way better spend than, you know, God bless them. Um, But, you know, a bunch of very, um, uh, connected people on yes. social media, I suppose. That's a good way to put it. Mm. Has that been has that been a challenge for you to communicate to hospitality professionals the last couple of years? Because they've you know they've obviously had that person who may have fifty to hundred thousand people following them, and you know they think that short term impact is you know um, is really important to their business, and you know every one of the other hospitality mates are doing the same thing and getting some results and that kind of stuff. Like it's been hard for you to communicate that as a really quality photographer. Um, not so much. It's that, mm. that sort of, I, I've been fortunate in uh, sort of watching that prophecy mm. fulfill itself, I sure. suppose. I often, um, I was speaking with a, a photographer friend in Sydney and, and we sort of joked that, you know, like we're third wave photographers, like, <laughs> Love you it. know, these brands uh, originally employed photographers through the early 2000s to create yep. marketing and when social came along. And then the second wave was, oh, there's these these influencer guys. They're really mm. popular and they just come in with their phones and it looks really organic and natural. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of got over that because they couldn't see, you know, you, you speak about a, um, a, a typical restaurant. They have f- their head in the game. They know yeah. 
down to the scent where the spend is. They know who's coming in, where they're sourcing from, what their backup is if they can't get XYZ product. Mm. And then there's this person that's just like, give me cash. I've got this many followers. Yep. It's great. Yep. You know, that's such a leap of faith. And a mm. lot of people now are like, you know what? Don't worry about that. So we're now that third wave where they've had that experience. Yeah, with they've had that realization. Yep. Exactly. Mm. And they've just gone, you know, this isn't for us. This is not for our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my one of my favorite stories, um, a client of mine, um, Sofitel Group, uh, they ran a promotion where they had sort of like a, a high tea in conjunction with NGV for the Escher um, exhibition. Mm. So they did a, a monochrome high tea where basically everything was black and white, you cracked it open and it was, you know, jams and jellies and blah, blah, all bright red, very mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. Um and I remember speaking to the head chef there and just, he was so, he was like enraged because for the you know second or third time that day, a group of influencers had come in, purchased the product, taken photos of themselves with the product and then left without eating it. Oh, wow. And it's, okay. and it's like, <laughs> you feel like, oh, I just worked out exactly where this died and mm-hmm. it was right then. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it can go too far. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, because, and that's the other thing, you know, that section of marketing is so saturated now. There's yes. no real differentiation. Mm. So it, it's, it's, it as a, as a system will start to spiral anyway, because there's, it's too saturated. Yeah. There's not enough differentiation in it. Um, and I think restaurants and hospitality venues are like, oh yeah, we see the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. We'll take this in house, get better ROI. Yeah, it's that simple. Yeah, makes a lot of sense, right? Mm. Um, there are a lot of photographers at the moment um, around the country and around the world, Pete. Um, how does a how does a hospitality client um, restaurateur um, really? understand who what kind of photographer is best for their project like how much to actually spend on it and the reason the reason i asked that and i want probably a follow-up question is Mm. we've talked about storytelling photography videos Mm. social media pr as a hospitality owner now like even if you hire someone to do that for you or work with you, like mm. it's, it's really full on <laughs> understanding oh, what's going to be the biggest bang for your buck. There's um, people doing fantastic work, but you know, as, as margins are tightened, um, it's, it's, it, I think it's really um, confusing to know where to spend your money because you want to spend it, you want to spend it, spend it properly. So as, as a hospitality owner, like what are the couple of things that um, they could look for to find their best person to do their content for them? Two photographs 100 so uh, probably the best thing and this is true of any industry not just hospitality mm. um but hire photographers whose work you like mm-hmm. um it's it's pretty dead simple mm-hmm. like if you are moving around on social media and you see consistent images and you know to the clients that tag me in their shots i love you forever please keep <laughs> doing it yeah um but like look for work that resonates with you and that speaks to your brand. It's sort of the same, um, you know, if I rocked up at Flower Drum, mm-hmm. it's like I've heard good things, but can you do me like a, a Palmer? You know, that's just yeah. it's never going to happen. You yeah. are pushing uphill against what that venue does best. And it's exactly yes. the same thing with photographers. Mm. Um, you will have some that shoot beautiful, um, highly colored, very youth oriented, very accessible, bordering on, um, influencer, but because that's the market you're going for. Yeah. If however, you're a refined wine bar or a cocktail lounge, that's probably not your shooter. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. great photographers will tend to find a niche and will start to get dragged further and further and just specialize and specialize, find that for your brand. Interesting. Um, there, there will be a shooter there who is right for you. Mm. Um, a lot of photographers, um, you know, myself included, we're not great event shooters, but there are fabulous event photographers that specifically cater to the, the culinary world. Yes. You know, use those people um, and you'll get better results. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd probably say, you know, look for a specialist, mm. but also, um, you know, be realistic about your expectations. Sure. Um, 
a great photographer, a great creative will tell you no. Um, yep. If if you just keep pushing someone and say, oh, and can we get this and this and mm. this? Also, we need the images tomorrow. Yeah. If you're just getting yes, 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 the mm. price isn't going up, like your alarm bell should be going off. Yeah, um, right. A great creative and a great professional of any sort of um, uh, field should know their limits and be mm-hmm. upfront and honest about them. This is, uh, I always say this to clients, it's a collaborative process. Mm. Um we both need to be on board with this. Mm-hmm. Um, photography is as much about problem solving as it is creating images. Mm-hmm. There's never ever been a shoot that I've been on where everything went to plan exactly. Yeah. Um, and great shooters are the ones that know that that's going to happen yeah. and will be able to give you a, a, a solution and give you a marketable image at the end of it, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, it's creative thinking. It's working on your feet and coming up with, you know, sometimes some really weird solutions to issues that you didn't foresee. Um, you know, the you might be shooting an upcoming promotion and um, the packaging never arrived. So mm. that's a 1am job for me retouching those images with the new logo or the new typeface or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But just knowing what's possible and that just comes from experience. Basically. Sure, yeah. So I think I think as a hospitality client, like they, the probably things they could do for you would be, tell you as much of the brand story to understand it, right? And and 100%. any change is going to happen because that's going to make you shoot different ways, I'd imagine, right? Yeah. Well, mm. Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I love when uh, a new client sort of gives me their life story. Like yeah. I am genuinely interested. I don't mm-hmm. want you to just sort of say, hey, what are your rates? How many images do we get for that? Yeah, how long is it going to take? Thursday? Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like I want to sort of be like, oh, okay, cool. So why did you choose this location? Or, you know, why did you go with this interior fit out? Why is that important to you? Yeah. Or, you know, you've kept mentioning these, um, you know, this imported um, terrazzo bar or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Like mm-hmm. why? Because that's where it's like, hey, the, this is important to you. Let's feature this in the images because that's a throwback to explain more about, you know, why you do what you do. For sure. Um, and it's those great conversations that are going to sort of unearth that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, tell tell your photographer as much as you can. Use it as a collaborative process. Um, if you have a selection of 20, 30 images that you have seen and you loved, share that with them. Yes. Um, because that will then further that conversation into developing your brand's identity. Yeah. So I think one of the, the best things is, if you can find a restaurant that you love and you open their social page or you go onto their website and you see the images and in your brain, you go, Oh yeah, that's X, Y, Z because of how it's lit or Mm -hmm. the colors that they chose to go with. It's like, Oh yeah, that's that really strong brand association. Mm. If you open a restaurant's page and you're scrolling through and you think that this could be anyone. Yeah. Like that's something that you need to think about. Mm. Um, You're not putting your best foot forward at that point. Mm -hmm. I think the interesting thing in this time has been um, in this lockdown time has been the brands, the hospitality brands that are actual brands Mm. and that aren't what I call me too brands or vanilla brands Mm. have survived and done really well. No matter, no matter what, you know, segment of the market they're in, Mm -hmm. Um, they may be more challenged, especially the high end, but like it's, it's been really pleasing to see that, people have uh, customers who have wanted to support brands that actually stand for something, mm. um, you know, that have good photography, that have a good story tell, um, that have a really good product that are open and honest about what the hell they're doing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's been, it's been um, humbling to see. So I think the storytelling that you're doing, Pete is, is um, integral to that. Um, I, I, I think, sorry, I, I think to your point though, you're, you're totally right. Mm. It's also like, you mentioned them being honest. Yeah. Man, I, I love the uh, that a, a bunch of chefs and restaurateurs have like shared their challenges yeah, as well. Yeah, big time. Like I think for a really long time, um, it was seen that it's like, you know, stiff up a lip. We don't talk about the issues. Yeah. Everything's positive. Yes. And it's like, no, that is not right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, a lot of people are struggling. And I think um, venues and restaurateurs, you know, you have – a lot of loyal customers mm. and when you share your problems or you share your challenges with them, mm. you're inviting them in 
to your story yes. and to become a part of your family. Yes. And so that I think is just going to continue to be more important, mm. um, especially over the next year. Obviously, it, it you know it's not all doom and gloom, and people aren't jumping on to to read about that. Mm. But like, be real, man. Like, be realistic with yeah, things. Be vulnerable. Um, a hundred percent. Because you know we've all gone through a hell of a year. It like. I, I hope that like this has been the defining event of our lifetimes. Yes. And that's a big deal. And mm. it probably won't sink in for a while, but like no. this has been huge. Yes. Um, and I think brands that are honest about that, um, both in their marketing and social and things like that, um, acknowledge what has happened, but also don't let it sort of get you down in yeah. a way. Yeah, totally um, agree. Like there's a lot of um, uh, venues that, the idea of outdoor dining to them is like absurdity, mm. but that's our, that's our future right now. It's our ticket. A hundred percent. So mm. it's like, okay, great. We never thought we'd be here. Um, your, you know, waiters, leather shoes are probably going to get a bit weird over the next six months, but <laughs> we're going to, we're going to do this together. And like, how do we lean into this and say, great, maybe that's our, our um our viewpoint this is our aspect that we pivot to for marketing for the next six months like yeah. how weird is this how yeah. bizarre is this and that's the basis for your marketing like mm. um there's so many opportunities i think here mm. um for venues uh and it's like i i i had my dark night of the uh yeah dark night of the soul you know a few times over yeah. the last six months but yeah. i think now i'm starting to feel hopeful and it's yeah, a bloody good feeling. Yeah. I think um, some of the conversations I've had with hospitality owners the last six months, uh, conversations I never would have had, um, just in their openness mm. and honesty and want to just move forward and be brutal about where they're at and what they need to do and their, and their, you know, their issues and tribulations and stuff. Like it's been... Um, a very, very challenging time. And I know we've talked before the podcast about how challenging it's been. Mm. Um, but it's been, uh, it's, 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 it will be a thing that will bring the industry together and make it stronger in the long run. And you, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard just awesome stories where, um, some of my clients have been doing collaborations together, yeah. um, which, you know, before this would have been unheard of. Mm. Now it's like, yeah. look, uh, we're famed for X, Y, Z. You do ABC. Let's leverage each other's reputation mm. and brand story and do something cool together. Mm. Um, right down to, you know, uh, some of my clients going, ah, oh, you know, we've had so many orders of X, Y, Z, um, banquet for this delivery service we literally don't have the refrigerated space for this and then out comes a phone someone calls oh great can you get yeah. 400 units to hawthorne by tomorrow you can use his storage because he doesn't need it until yeah. saturday like yep. people are genuinely trying to help each other with this yes. because i think we all just got a really massive dose of humility yes i agree um, yeah and the people who are looking after each other through this, like you will not be forgotten mm. and it will only come back in spades. Yeah. I, I was um, witness to that, in, uh, that kind of meeting in real time last week and two very prominent hospitality professionals go, Oh, we're doing this, but we've run out of room. Like, Oh, well maybe you can use this space and that's fine. And yeah, no problem. Like, and I felt it was going to be, you know, a handshake agreement and no contracts and, and before maybe that wouldn't have happened. You know, absolutely. You know, absolutely. It would have been too, maybe too proud of a conversation to have. So, Very I think much. there are, there are some there are some positives. Um, let's let's continue to talk about some positives, Pete. Um, what what areas of the industry do you think are going to come out come out of this the best? Um, following this crisis, like obviously, um, the the challenge with with some venues especially melbourne and sydney um is that international travel will come off a bit uh the next year or mm. so like but what but how do you think um the industry will reshape in this time who do you think will be the ones that that stand above it so i've been doing a lot of thinking about this and it's mm. you know it's as much about the COVID issue as it is about sort of like the 
the coming recession. Mm. I say coming. It, it's happening, I suppose. Yeah, it's really going to happen in April, I think, when JobKeeper comes completely off. completely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's when it's going to be pretty wild. Mm. Um, I think it will be very much like other recessions. And, like, I say that as a 34-year-old. Mm. The hell am I? I know what I'm talking about, you know. But um, <laughs> yeah. I've got a lot of friends who went through the GFC in the mm. States and the same thing will happen. I think you'll watch the the middle line get gutted yeah. and you'll watch low end and high end get more powerful. Um, if you're uh, not financially particularly well off over the next year to two years, you know, you're looking for ways to get a small spend, but still have an enjoyable time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe that's a, uh, a, a premium takeaway option or something mm-hmm. easy. Um, if you are still employed, maybe you're working from home now and your operating spec expenses are actually lower, yeah. then you're going to want to spend a bit of money uh, to really enjoy yourself. So I think I would be concerned if I was operating right in that middle space where yeah. my offering wasn't particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. It's not really that cheap, but it's not giving the consumer anything amazing yes that's where i'd be like all right it's time to pivot and to either go up or go down yes um if i'm on the premium to higher end this is the best opportunity i think you have had in years Mm. to increase your prices like Mm. start to push your margins yeah um great there are a lot of people and i've shot a lot of work over lockdown where products were sent to me to photograph before mm-hmm. they were put out mm-hmm. where, and I'm just genuinely curious and be like, Hey, what's the retail on this? Yes. And some of it is astoundingly low Yes, to the point where you'd be like, Hey, I don't mean to tell you how to do your business, but why are you um, doing this for, <laughs> but why? Like, to, you know, I, not to sound skeptical, but it's like, Hey, um, if you are selling, I don't know, eight lobster rolls. Yeah. It's $25. My question is, why is it so cheap? Is it going to make me sick? Like what's yeah. the go? Yeah. What's the go? Yeah. Has it got um, one day either, before it's off? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right? It's like either offer two yes. or double your price because yeah. you absolutely can. Mm. Um, you know, I, I remember reading um, Shane Delia had a, a, a post about six months ago and he posted a, um, a menu from like 1992. Oh, yeah, I saw that. And it was like, just a quick FYI, yeah. the prices Haven't are the changed. same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that is incredible. Um, and that's as much our doing as consumers as mm. it is the venues for, I think, not having the balls to be like, I just have to push this a bit higher. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if you are going to market yourself as a premium venue, then charge premium prices. Yes. You can do it. Um, the market will bear it because like right now, I don't know about you, but I uh, have already started booking where I'm going to go and dine with my friends. Yeah, absolutely. I can't get into most venues for like mm. two to three weeks. Mm-hmm. You reckon they're going to quibble over an extra 10 to $15? dollars mm. Yeah, nope. they just want to be there. Yeah, they. Mm. We just need to be somewhere, man. <laughs> like, if I can sit with my friends, drink and eat, I couldn't give a shit how expensive mm. you're charging me. You yep. know, obviously within reason, blah yes. blah blah. But, yes. um, like this is a great op- opportunity for a reset. Like, yep. use it to your advantage because yeah. you're not really going to get many people questioning it. Mm. If in the coming six months, a year, you can afford to eat out at these venues, you're doing really well. You yep. and you're not really going to be quibbling over that $10, $15. Like differentiate yourself, take yourself up a little bit more. Um, the other thing I'd probably say is like, in addition to just expanding those margins, like it's all, it's definitely going to be about labor costs, right? Yeah, of um, course. So the brands I think that will struggle are those that have marketed themselves on really labor intensive processes. Yeah. So those venues that I shoot where, you know, there's two or three people hand making bread, like yeah. that plays a really small element in the overall story of that venue. Mm. Like, oof, you've got to really think about it, how justifiable that's going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a combination, I think, of just sort of smartening up at that level, but also just charging more. Um, yeah. If you're at the absolute other end of the spectrum, 
where you're potentially creating a commodity product or, you know, you are that step above um, garbage takeaway, mm-hmm. then I think it's going to be about like your, your social marketing strategy. Like how are you going to get bums on seats or bums on outdoor seats, I guess, um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, how do you get your turnover happening? Um, how do you get as many people through as, as humanly possible? Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably what at least the next six months looks like. Yeah. Do you, do you think the, the omni-channel businesses which have started within hospitality are going to continue on sort of post, you know, post the next couple of months? Because obviously, you know, Shane has had amazing success with Provador, but like, um, and it's been inspirational to see um, great brands do new retail products or sell to supermarkets or grocery chains or um, and all those kind of things. Do you think those brands will, um, those especially the high-end brands, will continue on those products or do you think they'll, you know, they'll go back to just focusing on their customer who's inside their venue again? Um, Million-dollar question, isn't it, mm. I guess? Yeah. Um, I think there is a, a definite possibility that we'll see those brands continuing with some form yeah um yeah and part of that isn't so much even from the the venue side it's like that there's probably a new demand from the consumer in regards to that where maybe they don't feel comfortable going to uh, a venue for the next x amount of months and that's fine Mm. like that's a completely reasonable position to to sort of hold Mm -hmm. um so in that regard i think it is advantageous to sort of continue that the the issue I think will be how do you separate that, that prep and that labor away from um, continuing your, your standard service. Absolutely. Um, a couple of my clients have started to initiate um, offsite kitchens, mm-hmm. um, essentially a dark kitchen yep. um, to be able to facilitate that because that is another revenue stream and, yep. and, when your pre-established restaurant is um, capacity capped yes. and you've got no say over that, that's a really tough position to be in. And so terminating um, delivery options too soon is probably not the right call. Mm. Um, I think it will come down to, you know, what, um, what the numbers do. Um, if it, if we, get a total miracle and we sit around where we are now and reopening just continues unabated. Yep. Um, that's probably the best case scenario, but I think we need to acknowledge that we're going to be in a position like we are now for quite a while. Yep. And so how do we keep that sustainable? And that is going to be a mixed business model, I think of a premium dining option while also allowing customers and consumers who still want your product, but maybe can't join you in mm. your restaurant. Yep. I think it's going to be, um, it's going to be a really exciting next focus for the industry. It's going to, it's going to require, and I said this to, um, to Kaylee 10 from uh, Tonka the other week. Um, mm. It's going Great to re- episode, by the way, really oh, enjoyed that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. She was fantastic. Um, she is lovely. Um, and I'm, I'm curious how, hospitality owners are going to manage that, <laughs> you know, because all of a sudden they've got all these other channels they have to, you know, and suppliers and, and, and whoever they're selling to or um, mm. they have to deal with. Like it's going to be, it's going to be this, this new amazing skill which people are going to have to develop on the fly, I think. Because when you, when you open back your venue and you've still got those, those channels, mm-hmm. like to balance those needs of the business, I think it's going to be a really critical thing. Yeah, it's, it's great because it means that um, chef and restaurant owners um, just have another job to do and they weren't yeah. already stressed enough. So Yeah, exactly. You know, that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's fine, <for> right? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, but I mean, yeah, I, I've uh, a couple of my clients have ha- I've also had that and have sort of said, great, so our solution, you know, they're CBD-based and it's like mm. we, we simply won't offer lunch options for the foreseeable future and in that time, that's when we do our prep, cooking and yep. delivery sense. options. Mm-hmm. Um I, yeah, the, the CBD is a, a whole thing. Like mm. that's in and of itself, that's nothing but question marks. That was a great conversation um, that you had with um, Dean Bingham. Oh, um, yeah, from Bells. On the, mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was fascinating to mm. sort of hear about the, like the, 
different rings of neighborhoods as real estate yeah. goes and yeah. things like that. And then um, it's, yeah, it's fascinating to, to sort of think about what nine months, 12 months from now looks like in the CBD, especially for hospitality venues. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, speaking to so many people um, from different parts of the world has, has um, said to me that it's the CBD issue is not unique to Melbourne or Sydney. Mm. Like it's, it's, we're all facing the same thing. There's a lot of learnings mm. to, um, um, to learn from, <laughs> from, yeah. from whatever else is experiencing this moment. So, yeah, definitely. I, mm. I, I think the, um, to, to the point of like working out what does, what does the future look like trying to spin plates? Um, I, I don't know. I think there is possibilities that we haven't really considered like a massive portion of the hospitality world in catering basically is non-existent right now. Yeah. But those resources still exist. Absolutely. So I sort of feel like there's a lot of these venues that are trying are like humming and whoring over how do we balance in, in restaurant dining to our delivery options. We don't have the space. We don't have the storage, the manpower, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, there's a lot of catering businesses who would no doubt help you at a greatly reduced cost Absolutely. to be able to meet that. And they've got the backbone um, mm-hmm. support with delivery. So yep. um, yeah, I think there's, there's opportunities and options there. Um, I hope that this is um, a reckoning for um, smartphone apps mm. that take incredibly large percentages for no mm-hmm. great reason yep. from venues. Yep. Um, it feels like we already at an unsustainable point and that just sort of made it worse. Yes. So I, I do hope um, that we see uh, more venues either taking delivery under their own hands or finding alternative options. Yeah. I think it'd be a lot of alternative options, Pete. I think, um, I think this time for people to think about it, they're actually going, well, if I'm doing on-time delivery and I'm getting charged 30 to 35% and I know I can't get more out of the customer and I'm making even less than I would make if they're sitting in my venue, then what am I doing this for? It's no longer a marketing mm-hmm. ploy when mm-hmm. everyone else is doing it. So I think, um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a really interesting time. I think there's going to be a lot more fragmented, um, fragmented um, mm. you know, white label, uh, white label delivery and all that kind of stuff. I can, it's, it's, uh, scary and exciting in the same moment. Definitely. Um, my last question to you before I let you go is, um, mm. I mean, we're sitting at the end of October here. We're about to, we're about to, um, uh, hopefully open up this state in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fingers crossed, Pete. Um, what is the one thing that you are looking forward to doing post lockdown that you haven't been able to do in this last Six months or so. Uh, this will sound really weird. Okay. But I'm super looking forward to learning how to scuba dive. Nice. Um, okay. It's it's something that I've wanted to do for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was on a shoot in um, in Tokyo. Wow. And I, I, re- yeah, I returned and the next week was going to be the first week that we started our like in-pool um, training. Mm-hmm. And it all sort of got shut down. So mm. this has been on my to-do list for a really long time. Wow. So uh, that will be one of my first. Um, the other one, of course, is just getting together with friends. Um, I, I managed to get to one venue in that brief, tiny window. Yeah. Um, and it was just wonderful. Like it was a, a gastro pub and mm-hmm. a palmer. Someone else made it. Oh my god! And then someone else cleaned the dishes. It was and they said, awesome. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so very much that. Um, I've got uh, a string of different sort of um, venues lined up. I think. Where am I going first? Builders Arms. Oh, good uh, choice. Yeah. The very first mm-hmm. one, sort of off the rank. I just want something I don't have to think about. I can sit in the sunshine, have a beer, and eat something wonderful. So mm-hmm. Very much looking forward to it. Awesome, man. Um, Pete, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. What is the best way that people can find everything about you and connect with you? Because um, you 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 are one of the best photographers in Australia by far. So um, I know that people want to reach out to you, have a chat. Sure. Um, probably the easiest thing to do is jump onto Instagram. Um, my Username there is Popple, P-O-P-I-L. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, what, what, what's Popple? Oh, oh. It's like, 
Man, it's a whole lot of keys on the keyboard that are really close to each other. Like that's it. Oh, yeah. There's no real, there's no real <laughs> deep story there. I'm afraid. <laughs> Looking at my um, keyboard now. So it's, smart. Yeah. So jump onto that. That yeah. links through to my site and all that good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And if listeners of this podcast are in Melbourne and need some reopening photos, um, just mention this podcast and we'll we'll work out a deal. So sweet, man. Pete, thanks so much for your time. It's been great to have you on. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, man. Staring down the barrel of a 60% permanent closure rate, it's time to fix what's broken. It's time to change the game. The hospitality industry is at a pivotal point. And it's become painfully obvious that business acumen and strategic planning will matter just as much as resilience. There's no shortage of resources ranging from how to apply for loans to how to negotiate with your landlord. But at some point, we will turn our sights towards the future. And when that time comes, we'll need tools and strategies to thrive, not just survive. In the hospitality industry, we fix our own problems. This is no different. We've created a group called the Hospitality Game Changers. It's on Facebook, a platform you already use daily. It's a space just for us where we're tackling the most difficult issues facing our industry and creating solutions. It's updated daily with the most compelling audio, written, and video content to make sure you're plugged into what's going on today and what can help us tomorrow. It's quick and easy and free to join. Just log into Facebook and search Hospitality Game Changers in the search bar. And you're all set. We can't change the cards that we are dealt, but we can change how we play the game.